Hello, friends. We're back. Um, doing a quick turnaround. This is probably the fastest I've uh, put out another podcast. I think I just did one last week. So if you haven't heard that one, that one's good. Uh, I did a lot of things on COVID-19 and the Arbery case. I discussed the uh, implications there, legally and racially. Unfortunately, uh, another person was killed by the police Although that one was a vigilante, this one's the actual police officer on duty, a Mr. George Floyd. So we're going to discuss that today. Uh, I'm going to discuss um, the legal ramifications of the case, uh, the racial implications, uh, talk a little bit about white privilege uh, versus class privilege, which I think is often a, a misunderstanding. Um, so let's do it. But first, of course... Let me tell you what uh, drink I'm having tonight. So I am drinking The Botanist, which was given to me by a dear friend of mine for my graduation. It's a dry gin. Um, pretty subtle, a little bit less floral than a Hendrix, although Hendrix is one of my favorites as well. I have some uh, Mediterranean Fever Tree, which is the best tonic water you can get. And half a Mexican lime. I put it in this big metal cup. So... Uh, it's actually calming me down a little bit, so you might get a very relaxed goose. Let's find out. So, uh, George Floyd. So let's talk about this guy. And by the way, everything I'm going to tell you right now is uh, interesting, and it's backstory, but it's completely irrelevant to what actually happens at the end of this sad tale. So let's, all, let's always keep that in mind, because I think that these character assassinations that go on um, are unbelievable that, that that's the defense, but we'll get there. Okay. So Mr. George Floyd, uh, I shared something on my Facebook page. If you follow me on Facebook, you can see it's basically a backstory about George's involvement in the church. Um, and this was after he got released from prison. So George was in prison, uh, up until 2014 when he moved to Minneapolis. Um, he was in prison for aggravated robbery. He did have some other uh, like petty possession. Uh, he had a gram of cocaine in 2005, blah, 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 blah. Uh, he got caught up for cocaine twice, and he had a trespassing in 2002, and he had a theft in 98. Okay. So just so you're not surprised, like I'm making this, you know, I'm not sitting here making this guy out to be a saint. But that's not really the point of the story. But I don't want you to be surprised and turn around and say, oh, well, you never mentioned this, this, and that. I want to address it so I can tell you it's irrelevant. So let's talk about George. You know what? Before I get there, actually, let me let me set the parameters of my authority to speak about this. Um, a lot of you came and asked me what you should do. And you sent me things about what you should say. Uh, now, I don't know if that's because I'm the only person of color you know. That may be true. I live in a predominantly white area. Uh, or is it because you respect my opinion or a little bit of both? But let me be clear. I'm a very I'm a privileged person myself. Uh, I identify as Afro-Latino. My mom's uh, three-quarters black, I guess you would say. Uh, I don't identify as, as black myself. Um... American black has its own culture and its own history. Um, 
and its its own path, you know, and its own experience. Now, that being said, I do experience very similar things to, uh, you know, what black men experience in this country. I meet with two good friends of mine, John and John, who hopefully listen to this podcast, uh, and we discuss it all the time. It's kind of my place to chat about these things because none of my friends really understand um, the feeling that you have being in a predominantly white area as a as a brown person. Me personally, as a you know, two hundred and forty pound brown male, uh, people don't take very kindly to me too often. Now, the fact that I have a JD and the fact that I'm highly educated and I'm a relatively polite person doesn't really matter. Uh, none of that matters, which is what we've seen with these uh, police brutality cases. But anyways, so that's kind of where I'm coming from. Um, I'm not I'm not here to say that I completely understand the black experience in this country because I don't think I can. But um, I get a piece of it. I get a small part of it. Okay. Um, so let's see. Okay, so we were talking about how this whole thing started. I'm going to try to keep this one short because I want a lot of people to listen to it. Um, so George was at a deli, okay? He pays with a $20 bill. The employee of the deli believes that the bill is counterfeit, so she calls the police. Okay, let's stop right there for one second and talk about why would she think that? Now, by the way, and now you're saying, well, didn't they check? Well, was it? They don't know, which means it's not, by the way. They're not saying if it was or it wasn't, which means it wasn't. Because if it was, they would have said that. And a lot of people would have been less upset. But they're like, oh, we don't know. We don't know if it was or it wasn't. Well, that's pretty easy to verify, right? You could just check all the $20 bills you have. And if there is a fake one, it's probably from George. If there isn't, well, you were wrong. So uh, my, my, my bet is that they realized they were wrong. And they didn't want to say anything because they just got a guy killed. Um. So she calls the police, or he calls the police, and the police show up, and they pull George out of his car, and they claim that he was resisting arrest. But if you watch the video, there's actually footage. I'm going to mute this so it's not in the background. But yeah, I'm watching it right now. He's walking out of the car. He's looking around like, hey man, what the hell, which is fair. Uh, but he sits on the curb. He's handcuffed already. He's just sitting there. They help him up. He stands up. There's uh, another black guy there arguing with the police about this whole thing. George looks terrified, as I would be too, in that same situation, knowing that my life is in danger. Uh, and then, of course, you've you've seen what happens after that. Um, but let me just let me just point this out to begin with: is that George didn't get the benefit of the doubt on the twenty dollars. If he was white in this situation. I highly doubt that they would have doubted his 20 and then called the police. And of course, even if the police showed up, this wouldn't have happened. But let's save that for a little later. Okay, so that happens. And then, um, you know, you've, you've, hopefully you've seen the video. If you haven't, stop this podcast at the second and go watch the video of, uh, of Officer Derek Chauvin putting his knee on the back of George Floyd's neck until George Floyd was unresponsive and not moving. And uh, a later report came out that he had no pulse in the um, ambulance going to the hospital. So he actually, he was pronounced dead at the hospital, but he died on the scene. And he's begging for breath. 
and he says, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Bystanders are begging the police, begging this man, Derek, to remove his knee, and he refuses. And he's so nonchalant about it. it it's quite infuriating, if I'm being honest. He's so nonchalant about this, and there's a man below him, nearing death, struggling to breathe, and Derek just not, just doesn't give a shit. He just doesn't give a shit, and that's hard. I mean, I was, I was very upset uh, watching that video. It's heartbreaking. And here's a guy who just moved. He's trying to get his life together. He was involved with the church. He's doing the right thing. He just wanted to go to a deli. He just wanted to get a sandwich. And he paid. And it cost him his life. Didn't realize the trip was so expensive. And by the way, let me draw a comparison for a second um, with what's going on with the coronavirus at this moment. I shared something about this on my Facebook page as well. People are saying, well, we're afraid to go out. We have to wear masks. There's all this stuff we have to do. And it's because you're used to going places without any fear. You're used to doing whatever you want. And I'm, but this is mostly white men I'm addressing at this point. Because women, women know this. Women can't go anywhere they want anytime they want. Women also live in fear. But their fear is from other men. Black males and brown people, their fear is from the police most of the time. Their fear is that some Karen's going to call the cops and the cops are going to show up and do this. This exactly. I mean, never mind if you're even sitting in your own apartment, you might get shot and killed. But, you know, there's a danger in, in going out. So I just say that to to draw the comparison of this is what it's like a lot of times. Um, and, and let me just say, how absurd is it that a second person dies saying they can't breathe after Eric Gardner? How's that possible? Man, it's... <laughs> it's insane. Okay, so I told you a little bit about Derek's... Or sorry, I told you about George's background. Let's go over Derek's background. Now, this is also irrelevant, okay? It's more relevant. In the, If there's a spectrum of, of relativity, I will say this is more relevant to the case. But I'm going to tell you this, and then I'll talk about why I don't think it's super relevant. But, okay. So, for one, the technique that uh, Mr. Derek here is using, the knee to the back of the neck, is not part of the training. Uh, this was confirmed by the police spokesperson, John Elder. Um, he was put on leave in 2011 for shooting an Alaskan Native American. So, obviously, something was wrong there. He shot an unarmed black man in 2001, or sorry, who was 21 in 2008. And he was one of the officers who shot Wayne Reyes with, uh, let's see, a Latino man with 16 bullets forced into him. A total of 42 rounds were fired. Okay, let's keep going. Derek was another officer chasing it in 2005, causing the death of three people. Okay, and there are 12 police brutality complaints against this officer. Okay. So in total, I believe he has 18 complaints. He shot two people. Uh, one was an unarmed black person. There is a picture floating around of him wearing a hat that says, uh, make whites great again or something like that. I don't, I didn't verify that picture. I couldn't find uh, a legit source. So I'm not going to say that's a real picture, but it's out there. It's possible. 
Um, so clearly this guy's got a bias, and clearly he um, is a racist. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's uh, the proof is in the pudding. Now, I had a long discussion with somebody on Facebook, um, and him and I were saying very similar things, but I was frustrated by this guy's position. I, I implore you, you guys to actually think when you're discussing things like this, okay? So let's you and I sit for a second and just imagine a scenario where we don't know Derek Chauvin's or Chauvin, whatever his last name is, who cares? We don't know his background and we don't know Floyd's background. We just know that Floyd's a black man walking out. He's restrained per the video and then he's uh, on the ground for some reason. And there's three officers, by the way. Uh, there's four, but three of them are holding him down. One of them, by the way, Mr. Thao, also had complaints against him. And he's the guy in the video, uh, Asian fella, who's standing there looking at the bystanders who are pleading, pleading to save this man's life. He's sitting there stone-faced, telling them to move along. Uh, while George sits on the ground just begging for air, which is to me is just horrific. I mean, these are psychopaths. That, to me, that's horrific. But anyways, so Mr. Thao, uh, you're no friend of mine either. But, and by the way, uh, before somebody says, oh, he is he not the racist? No, Asians can be very racist. I don't know if anybody knows this, but uh, I don't, I'm not sure where Mr. Thao is from, but uh, all cultures are racist. It just so happens that this country is dominated by whites. Uh, but you can go to a lot of countries. A lot of countries are racist. It's not uh, It's not only an American thing. It just so happens that it's one of the driving forces of America and it's the building blocks of America. And that's what our justice system was built on, is the oppression. So, but I digress. Okay, so let's just you and I imagine, and I'm talking about this conversation I had with this guy. So this happens to this guy, okay? This guy comes out, George gets thrown on the ground, knee on the back of his neck, he dies from basically suffocation. I'm not sure uh, what other reason they're going to conduct an independent autopsy to find out. But clearly, Derek caused him to die. Caused his death, let's say. Um, that, to me, is enough evidence that Derek is racist. Now, it's also enough evidence that it's terrible police training, right? De-escalation tactics, restraining tactics. Yeah, of course, I agree. Uh, and this gentleman I was speaking to was saying, hey, well, we, ha we don't have any evidence of racism here, uh, but we do have evidence, oh, which we did, by the way, this information that I just told you about his past conduct was available, but I don't think uh, this particular gentleman was aware of it, of its existence. But anyways, he says, hey, we don't have any uh, evidence of racism, but we do have evidence of poor training. And that's true. But that's looking at things in a vacuum. That's looking at the situation as just face value without really thinking about what's going on. I mean, to look at the situation at just for what it is without knowing any background and to just come with a conclusion that it's, oh, well, it's just poor police training and, you know, some bad apples, yada, yada, yada. That's just ignorant. Uh, <laughs> that's just ignorant and it's not taking into account American history, and it's not taking into account uh, current events. And I mean, I shouldn't say current events, if I'm being honest, uh, because police brutality has been going on forever. Black people have been, black and brown people have been beaten the crap out of by the police and, and mistreated forever. We're just now getting tape of it. I mean, just like I spoke about last week with the Arbery case, if there's no tape of that, 
it never comes up. It never, I mean, nothing happens to these guys. It's their words against a dead man. And just like here, if there's no video of this, there's no outrage in the country, there's nothing. Nothing happens to these guys. So think, I mean, man, think about how many cases have gone unnoticed. How many people have been killed by the cops um, without any repercussions. But okay. Uh, so what I'm saying is you watch this video of this police officer treating this guy like an animal. And you, th you tell me you think he does this to other people? You're insane. He, he does this because he doesn't value black lives. He's treating this man this way because he has no respect for him. He has no respect for his humanity. That's what's happening. I mean, it's and, and honestly, I think it's harder for people to look at that and come to that conclusion if you don't experience this in your own life. You haven't seen people look at you in a certain way, and you know they think you're an animal. Not the good kind of animal. They think you're chattel. I have. Not nearly as often as I'm sure my darker brothers and sisters, but I definitely have. So I, it's like the wind, and it only affects us, you know? If you're white in this country, the truth is the wind is at your back. And if you're not, the wind is in your face. That's just the, that's just this truth. Um, I guess it's a good point to talk about white privilege before I get a bunch of people saying it's not real in my DMs. Listen, here I'm gonna give you the I'm gonna give you the uh, classic example I get for people saying that it's not real. So I say white privilege is real. Somebody says I grew up super poor. Where's my privilege? Where's my check? Blah 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 blah. Right. Very common thing to say, which to me is, I mean, I don't want to say it's idiotic. It's just, um, it's just a misunderstanding, let's say. It's a lack of understanding. So there is white privilege and there's class privilege. That's an example of a difference in classes. You grew up poor. I did too. We're a different class than the rich. We endured some of the same things. Yeah, certainly. The difference in white privilege is that you grew up poor, but if the cops stop you, this doesn't happen to you. This, where they suffocate you to death on the ground like a dog, that doesn't happen to you. It might happen to me. That's white privilege. Just because you grew up poor and you had a tough life doesn't mean you don't have white privilege. It means you're not rich. It means you had your own struggles because of, uh, of your socioeconomic class. Right. Yes, no one's saying that's not true. But white privilege is something different. White privilege is that benefit of the doubt people give you. That helping hand people are willing to lend you. The wind at your back. It's a different beast altogether. Black and brown people don't get that. We don't get a benefit of the doubt. Most of the time I see someone new who doesn't know me. who Nobody there to vouch for me. I'm not friends with somebody. And I'm just kind of out in the street. They assume I'm a bad person. They assume I am a criminal. They assume I'm stupid. I can't tell you how many times I tell somebody I have a JD uh, or I was, you know, this is recent. So let's say I was in law school and just the surprise, the shock in someone's face when I said that. It's just like so shocking to them that I could be an intelligent person being an immigrant and being brown and all this stuff. <laughs> Most of the time, it's before they know I'm an immigrant, which is crazy. 
But what I'm saying is, um, when you hear white privilege, don't get defensive. Uh, another friend of mine shared a lot of resources on Facebook with a lot of good commentary, and I shared it as well if you want to look over that. Um, but don't get defensive about this. Just appreciate its truth. Because if George Floyd was white, he'd still be alive, even if he had passed current white, even if he had that whole record we talked about. The police didn't know that at the time, right? They're using all of that just to justify what happened to him. But none of that justifies what happened to him. The only reason that happened to him is because he was black. So if you're if you're a white person, that, that would never happen to you. That's just not they're not gonna knee on your neck until you die. That's white privilege. And you may come from nothing, just like everybody else. So don't mix up uh, socioeconomic privilege, which is the rich and the wealthy compared to us, and white privilege. Okay, that's a point always annoys me. Oh, second point that people always like to say. They always say, well, Gustavo, that might be true, but uh, what about the fact that more people, uh, more white people get killed by the cops every year? I think the number was 55%. Somebody sent me this on Instagram from Candace Owens, by the way, who's an idiot. Don't listen to Candace Owens, folks. And they said, hey, well, you know, look at this. Candace Owens says that 55% of people who are killed by cops are white. And I think the number for blacks, uh, you know what, let me pull it up because I think it was, it was interesting. Uh, the number for blacks was a lot lower. Give me one second. So blacks was 27%, whites was 55%. And she said, she was pointing to this as like, hey, but look at this. Right. And it took me, I don't know, 30 seconds to tell her, well, listen, blacks are about 12% of the population. Whites are 72% of the population. And that number is decreasing, by the way, which is one of the reasons supremacists are so upset. Um, but 72% of the population versus 12. So blacks are actually overrepresented. And part of the reason is because they live in poor areas that are over-policed. It's a different topic for another day. But So that's a terrible statistic. So don't, don't come tell me that because I'll just laugh at you. And please don't come ask me. Oh, well, do you think if it was a black cop and a white guy, blah, 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 that's stupid too. And it's stupid because you have to understand American history. Like, just think for one second about where this country is and where this country's come from. I mean, think about Emmett Till before you say some stupid shit like that to me, because that's just crazy. I mean, the power that a white person has on calling the police on somebody is just crazy, which is, by the way, why I'm so happy about that lady in the park losing her job. Good. Because she doesn't understand. You calling the cops on somebody and saying they're putting your life in danger is, is a death sentence for a brown or black person. It's very dangerous. So, you know, just, and like I bring up Emmett Till because Emmett Till is a very similar scenario. Hey, that guy, that guy raped me. Boom, lynched. Easy peasy. So, Okay. Uh, ooh, I wanted to make this 25 minutes. It's going to go a little longer. Let's talk a little bit about the um, legal side of things. I have a JD. We should probably use it for something. Um, so a lot of you are calling this murder. You're like, hey, this guy murdered George Floyd. I would say that's probably correct. Um, I looked up the Minnesota laws because, of course, you got to look at the local laws of the area you're trying to get something done in. If you would have asked me before I looked at these statutes, I would have said that it's second-degree depraved heart murder. 
What that is, is that you have so little uh, regard for human life, that uh, kind of sanctity of human life, that you kill somebody. But you're doing an action that you know, you know, you're kind of causing harm to somebody or you're being so negligent in your actions that it could kill somebody. They call that depraved heart murder. And federally, or at least in common law, it's second degree murder. So I thought it would be second degree murder. But Minnesota is very specific about what is and what is not second-degree murder. Um, basically, second-degree murder in Minnesota is a kills, kills another human being, but the murder is not premeditated. That's here. That happened. Although, the word here is the defendant intentionally kills another human being. Now, we have to sit and really think about this one. Because I don't think that the officer, as piece of a shit of a person that he is intentionally killed George. I think he was doing something and thought George was overreacting or trying to be political or whatever he thought by saying he couldn't breathe. Um, so I don't think that's going to apply, and I don't think that that would be proven beyond a reasonable doubt, which is the standard. Uh, the second clause to the second-degree murder statute is uh, if you have a drive-by or if you have a restraining order, which obviously doesn't apply here. Now, What's interesting about Minnesota is that it has a third-degree murder uh, charge, which I've never heard of, but third-degree murder falls between manslaughter and third-degree murder charges. I think someone wrote this wrong. It probably means manslaughter and second-degree murder charges. Uh, this murder is not based on having the intent to kill. Okay, now we're in the money. Third-degree murder, third murder is often charged as depraved heart or mind crime. Okay, so this is what I was talking about. Uh, it's like if you fired a gun in a crowd without trying to kill somebody, but somebody died. That would be third-degree murder. Um, a murder is charged when a person is killed, and the defendant has an indifference to the sanctity of human life. Okay, so this is exactly what happened. Uh, I, this is normally second-degree murder, but Minnesota likes to uh, split hairs. So it would be third-degree murder in this case. That's what I would think. And based on the video, to me, this is open-shut. Uh, the district attorney uh, from Minnesota, or the uh, attorney general, I should say, came out and said, well, there's other evidence we have to consider. Now, that's weird. Here's why that's weird. Because one, what is it? Because we didn't see anything else. And two, um, well, and two, if it's conflicting evidence and it's conflicting with the video we all watched. I mean, we all watched a murder. We all watched him kill the man. If there's conflicting evidence, that's not really for him to decide. That's usually up to the jury. So, you know, he would present that, and the defense would present whatever evidence he's talking about. Um, the mayor came out, good for him, and said this was a killing. He didn't want to say the word murder, per se, because he's not the, uh, the one in charge of charging anybody. So that would be interesting to see what happens there. Um... I do want to give credit to a few police departments uh, who have come out, including the Tennessee Police Department, who have come out and said, listen, if you're okay with what happened, get off the force. Uh, I believe the uh, police department in San Diego also said something similar. A few people have come out and totally denounced this, which is fantastic. It's, it's one step towards change. Um, so I do want to give credit for that. I posted a meme on my personal Facebook page that was a comparison of, of Kaepernick taking a knee and, and uh, this, 
this police officer kneeling on Floyd's neck, and uh, the question was, which one offends you more? And I got quite the response to that. But I want you to think about that, because if you're sitting there in your house and you're, you know, a self-proclaimed Christian or you're self-proclaimed pro-life, and you were really upset about someone kneeling peacefully in protest for the flag, uh, and by the way, because the flag and the anthem are symbols, and the protest is, I don't believe these symbols are living up to the ideals that they're supposed to represent. I don't think this country is living up to the ideals. That's a protest. It's a fantastic protest. If I was there, I would have protested the same way. I think they're right. This is why they kneel. This is right here. This Derek Chauvin. Uh, just, yeah. So, but if this doesn't upset you, I mean, if this, if, if you're looking at this and you think this is okay, my friend, you have too much privilege in your life. You have to take a step back and really think. And if you're a Christian and you're telling me that you value life and you're pro-life, this is a life that we're talking about, you know? Uh, this is exactly what you should be upset about. And before somebody comes and tells me, oh, but Gustavo, 50 people were shot in Chicago. I understand. That's a different issue. Somebody, uh, somebody made the comparison. They said, if your breast stinks, you don't put on deodorant. That's kind of what we're talking about. We have a problem here. That's a different problem. And I agree with you. That's a problem. I'm not saying that black-on-black crime isn't a problem. I'm not saying that inner-city gang violence isn't a problem. But that's not the problem here. The problem here is that we have a justice system that is biased against African Americans. We have poor police training. We have racist officers in power. And they get away with it. And it has to stop. It has to stop. We can't move forward as a country if this keeps happening. We have a president who promotes violence. I mean, you can look at any video. He's, he said, take it hard on the criminals. Don't treat them so nicely. He speaks like a moron. He speaks like a third grader. But essentially, that's what he said. And we have the whole back the blue, blue thin line bullshit, which makes no sense. Uh, if you call yourself a patriot and you have the little back the blue, blue thin line, you would have backed the redcoats. I want you to know that. You're, you're, uh, you're a bootlicker because that's insane. What do you mean back the blue? Back the blue what? Being a cop is a uniform. Being black is not. You can take the uniform off. Do you understand what I'm saying? So don't give, don't give me that. It's just crazy. What happened to accountability? What happened to a small government? I'm, I'm watching Republicans just bend over backwards to justify things the president has done and things the police officers have done, which would have never, I mean, just never flown if we were actually people of ideals and not just political parties and racists, honestly. So, anyways, so yeah, I think they should both be, I mean, honestly, all four guys should be charged with sec or third-degree murder, I guess, in Minnesota. Because they all realized what was happening. They all watched. They all heard. Uh, and they all listened George fight for breath and die. So, okay. Let me address also real quickly uh, a couple of quick things before I, I uh, sign off. One, no, a lady did not get attacked in Target. A white lady in a wheelchair. She actually pulled a knife on people. You can look this up. She was trying to stab people who were looting the Target. Uh, and she got sprayed with a fire extinguisher. That's one. And the whole thing about riots. Here's the thing about riots. 
I agree. I don't think riots are smart, and I don't think it's fair because there's private businesses there who are hurt by this. But, as Martin Luther King said, riot is the language of the unheard. And that's what this is. It's frustration. It's frustration boiling over. And I promise you, uh, riots speak loudly. I mean, look at the L.A. riots and look how the L.A. The police department is now. If you don't know this, the L.A. police department is leading the country in training. It leads the country in everything. It's one of the best police departments in the world. If you think that's not large in part because of the Rodney King riots, I have news for you. So although I'm not happy about the riots, I'm not happy about how they're being handled, um, I'm not happy with the police, I'm not happy with the police even in that scenario because the police are escalating things themselves. Um, I don't think they're smart, but I think they're effective. I think that they bring, not only bring attention, they tell leaders, listen, you have to do something. These people are powerless. This is what they got. They have looting and they have riots and they have violence. And if you're appalled by this, I mean, look it up. I mean, look at, look at your history. Riots have been going on forever. Overthrows have been going on forever. Ask the French about the guillotine. This isn't new in history. I was going to give you guys a list of famous riots, and I looked up, literally I just looked up historical riots, and I got so many hits uh, that there are about, I mean, every century, well, then they started going by decades. So there's like 50 or uh, probably 100 per century famous riots. So if you're interested, you can look that up. Uh, of course, the L.A. riots are on there. It's one of the biggest riots in American history, if not the biggest riot in American history. But what I'm saying is um, don't worry so much about Target. They have insurance. Don't worry about AutoZone. Uh, don't worry even about the police department they've taken over just last night. That's uh, a reaction to something appalling. Focus on that. Don't use the... Uh, destruction of property as a scapegoat to uh, not talk about this and not deal with this because this is heinous I mean this is I'm begging you if you haven't watched the video go watch the video go watch that video and just imagine if and if you're too if you're uh, unsympathetic just imagine that's somebody you know imagine that's your friend imagine that's your father imagine that's your brother just imagine being treated like an animal because of the color of your skin all right, folks, um, next episode I will do some election updates, and I swear if one more person gets killed by the police or some vigilantes, this is going to get a lot more explicit. Um, if you have questions, you disagree with me, as always, please send me a DM. Uh, you can send me a message. You can send me an email if you want. It's Um Yeah, share the episode if you liked it. Hit me up if you want to chat about it. I'm always open to questions. Thanks, guys. So this is actually the first time I've done this, but I'm going to add another short segment to the podcast. Um, I realized after I signed off, I forgot two things. One, if you're big mad about the riots, we'll go ahead and look up Black Wall Street. Uh, Black Wall Street was a thriving area that had um, a lot of wealthy black people and a lot of self-sustaining businesses that was burned to the ground and about 300 people died. Uh, white people just destroyed this entire neighborhood. 
Um, I'm not going to get too far into it because I want this to be a short segment, but just Google that. Secondly, uh, a lot of white people have also asked me what should they do in this scenario. And although it's a bit exhausting teaching everyone about the realities of this of this country we live in and this world we live in, um, if you're a white person, I, I implore you to really think uh, openly about all these ideas and really explore them and just realize that you come from a place of privilege. Um, and then share. Share the conclusions you've reached um, after really thinking about these things. Share the truth of police brutality, of racism. Share it on your Facebook page. Share it to your friends. Unfortunately, the truth of the matter is a white voice goes a much longer way than a brown or a black voice in this country. Other white people will hear what you say and think, huh, maybe there's something to this. It's not just black and brown people crying or complaining or whatever people think it is. Um, so be vocal. Uh, a silent ally is no ally at all. If you're in your house thinking, man, this is all wrong, but I'm too scared to say anything, you're part of the problem. And you're not helping anybody. You're actually helping the oppressor. I'm sure everyone knows this. Silence always helps your oppressor and hurts the oppressed. So, and somebody on Facebook was like, well, what do you expect people to talk about this on social media? What if it makes them uncomfortable? Blah, 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 blah. I don't care. Your discomfort could save somebody's life. When we're talking about people's lives here, your discomfort's meaningless in comparison to the good that needs to be done in this country. Um, it's sort of similar to being a Christian. It's unpopular to voice Christianity. People like to hide it. People like to live a double life because they want to be part of something, but they are afraid of it. And they're afraid of what people are going to think about them. And I have a lot of friends with really conservative uh, parents, a really conservative family, who might think this is all bullcrap. And I honestly would encourage you to look up the facts. I mean, just, I would encourage you to share the information that I'm putting out there, find your own information, and it's the only way we're going to get past this is having discussions and having people who understand the situation talk about them as well, even though they're not affected by it. But if you ignore this, which is a privileged position to be able to ignore any of this because it doesn't affect you, you are part of the problem. All right, guys, catch you soon.